Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. We have been doing this series today as the last lesson on our series for discipleship, being a disciple, and what that means, and all the traits of being a disciple. And for those of you who have uh, sent emails or calls and let me know that some of these messages impacted you, thank you so much. And uh, that means a lot to me, and it lets me know, you know, how we're growing and, and what we need to be talking about and how we can encourage each other and all of that. So thank you for joining us online. Thank you for your faithfulness. Man, it's almost like we can feel the end of this COVID thing, and then you turn around and you get more news, and you're like, oh, no, is it going to start all over again with some new strand or something that's coming down the pipe? Listen, who's in control? God, and thank you for giving your lives to him, right? There's work that we need to be doing, and COVID cannot stop the message of God or the, or the you know, the, the furthering of his kingdom. And so thank you for being a, a participant, a willing participant in the kingdom of God and the things of God. Today, we're talking about the last piece of what it means to be a disciple, the last trait. Now, there are a lot of traits. I'm only narrowing them down to seven as we begin to just growing our relationship with God. But it all begins with, am I even a believer? Do I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, sent from heaven to make a difference in the world, to free me from my sin, from my past, to help me overcome right, uh, this path down to hell and make a turn to receive Jesus, to say, I want you to be my Lord, my Savior. I'm in desperate need of a Savior for my life. And if I have any hope of heaven, it's only going to be because of what Jesus has done for me and that I have received that and begin becoming obedient to that. And so as we do, we said, here are seven traits of a disciple. And we started with just passionately wanting to know Jesus, to run after him. That really is the first sign. And so it's, is there something inside me that just wants to run after Jesus with my whole heart? If not, I have to evaluate everything from the very beginning. But if so, then I'm going to seek biblical truth. I'm going to worship him personally, intimately, regularly. I want to connect, be accountable to a body of believers. I want to know how to maintain caring, growing, loving relationships. And I want to have a heart of generosity. And, and then today we're going to talk about making disciples. Now, it is a whole progression. And so the progression really, you know, looks like this. If I'm, I'm a visual, and so this is a, there, there was this time when I was dead in my sin. We've already talked about that, where I knew that there, there's no way I'm going to make it through life. There's no way I'm going to make it to heaven unless I have someone who saves me, and that is Jesus Christ. And there is no other way, you know, to be saved other than just giving your life completely to God. And so I made a decision. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to give him my whole heart. I want to give him my whole life. And so I did. And then in that, I began, and this is just kind of the walk of a new Christian. When you first start, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm in Christ. What do I do? You know, what do I need to learn? And so you just start hungering for more knowledge, more information, more wisdom, and for me, I ended up partnering with people all along the way who could help me understand things that I could not understand. Now, for, now I'm old, right? And so that, there was not 
75 or 200 different translations of the Bible, you know, like there are today. I had the, the great King James Bible. Hither thou whereunto on the morrow we shall go and buy and sell and get gain. And I'm like, I have no clue what I just read, but I love it, right? And you're probably a lot like me. And so I had to find people much smarter than me. And then I went and stole a children's Bible out of our children's area at this little church that we were going to in Vero Beach, Florida. And I sat down and I began to read the Bible on a fourth grade level and I could finally understand it. And I loved it so much, I took that. I later told them that I took the Bible. They didn't care. They were just glad that I was in the Word in some capacity. And so I'm reading those stories, and they just came alive to me. And I developed a passion for wanting to know the Old Testament stories. Because I was in a church, and they all, all they talked about was the New Testament. I loved the New Testament. I love hearing about Jesus. But I really had a passion to know all of that history of how we got to where we are. And what difference does that make? And so I just, I just needed to start learning information somehow. And it really started with it was changing my life. I had bad habits that I needed to break. I had things, addictions and things that I needed to just get rid of. I needed to partner. I did not know how to be a trustworthy man. I didn't know how to live as a godly husband. I didn't know how to raise children who would honor the Lord. And so it started really with me. I'm here because I am messed up. And I need somebody to help me get out of this mess that I'm in. But the more I grew, the more I learned, the more I transformed, the more God transformed me. Right? Then you began to be more Christ-centered. You end up saying, most of your prayers are sound like this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Right? And then you become more others focused. Can I tell you what God did for me? You know, and then people see the hope that's in you. And they see something's changed and they're like, you're different. You, you talk different. You act different. Boy, that used to upset you. You used to go off on that. But now you're just like, what changed? Can I tell you about Jesus? Can I tell you about the hope that's in me? Can I tell you about the difference maker? in my life and you begin to share it with other people and they begin to hear the good news and once they see your life is transformed in the name of Jesus once they see you have joy restored and hope fulfilled they're going to want it because everybody's looking for it everybody's looking for peace and joy right and so then, well, all he says is, turn around and share with someone else who's here. Find somebody that you work with, that lives down the street from you, that you know in the community, or just not, with someone that you meet, and share with them, and walk them through this same path. So, seven, the seventh trait, a disciple is a disciple maker. And we've got several, I mean, we've got numerous people who in our church here, even in this room, passionately want to just be a disciple maker. They just want to make disciples. It's really all they want to do. 
And I'm just looking around the room. I'm really looking at Amy Wazita because I know here she is. She's a mom. And she has children running around everywhere. And she's got a group. And she has a job. And she has a husband that she has to take care of. Because we all know Brent, right? And so he's excited. He's really excited about it. And Brent's like, man, I can't wait till Brent's gone through a lot of health issues. And he's like, I can't wait till I can out arm wrestle my wife. He's still working on that. But, but the passion of her heart is to walk people through getting to know Jesus in a strong way. More than anything else. That's what we're going to talk about. And she's just one. I don't know. There's Aaron. I'm looking. I'm just... I know the passion of Aaron, and just last week, when we were sharing in the back about preaching the good news to people who really need it, and with tears flowing down your face, you were like, God called me for X amount of years to do this, and I don't know why I resisted so long, but it's all I want to do, and every week, and on the weekends, you go and just do that in our community, and the difference that it's made. Alan Watkins, who's watching online today, who is, I hope I'm not revealing too much of a secret, he's like, Pastor, I'm retiring, you know, from my job. And this is why all I want to do is help hurting people get to know Jesus. And God's been chasing after me for a long time, and I've just, I've wanted to do it, should have done it, could have done it, but now it's all I want to do. And that's just, there's just three, there's more, there's more of you. So I have a message for you. And so I have a, the word of God that I want to share. I really only have two passages of scripture that I want to share with you today. And then the, the message will be yours. But here were the words of Jesus right before he ascended back to the Father. Go, he said, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And then, lo, I am with you always even to the ends of the earth. And that was the heart of Jesus. I came from heaven, lived among you, taught you the way home. Now I want you to go and do the same for everybody around you. Lead people to heaven. He's like, I want heaven full. One day God's going to come back. And when he does, he's going to receive you to himself. And I hope that he looks around and that we say, oh my, is heaven big enough for all these people? He's like, heaven is a big place. God believes in you. Now make it full. Share with everyone the good news of Jesus Christ. To be a disciple of Jesus is to make disciples of Jesus. And this is David Platt. He's like, that's who we are. That's what you were made for. You were not meant to hold in the things of Jesus. It was meant to transform your life so that others could see you are a city on a hill. You are the light of the world. You are the hope for those who are lost. And so he's saying, you go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, here's one of the passages that I'm going to share with you today. It comes from 2 Timothy. Now, Paul was the one who wrote 2 Timothy, and he was a disciple. He was an apostle, and he led Timothy to the Lord. And not just Timothy, but his whole household. And then Timothy made a decision. I want to be a preacher. I want to be a minister. I want to be an evangelist. I want to lead people to the Lord. And so Paul wrote him a letter. We have him in our Bible, First and Second Timothy. And what he's sharing with him is, okay, I'm going to instruct you because what you're telling me is that you really want to lead people to the Lord. 
Now, whoever I'm talking to in this room, this message is for you. This Second Timothy is really for you. Where, yep, you may have a job, you may have a home, you may have children, you may have a lot of things going on, but the one passion of your life is to lead people to the Lord. And so for those of you who are like, I want to, it's my main priority. Here's the, the word of God for you. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. He's talking about Jesus. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. He's like, all right, Timothy, you want to share the word of God. You want to do that passionately in your life and for your life. He said, okay, then the first thing I want you to do is take everything that you've heard of me and be obedient to it. And then you go and share that with other trustworthy people and teach them how to do it with others. It's four generations. Here's Paul, who was, who was blinded on the road to Damascus. He becomes a disciple. He leads Timothy to the Lord. And he's telling Timothy to lead other trustworthy people to the Lord who will be able to pass it on to others for generations, right? That's what we're looking for. We're looking for those of you who have decided, I want to be a four-generation disciple. I want to share what is in my heart of, of Jesus and the hope for the world with somebody, lead them to the Lord, and then not leave them, but teach them and, and ground them and encourage them so that they know how to share their faith with others who will do the same thing and share it with other people. What do four generations look like? Well, I only have one picture of my grandfather, my father, me, and my son. So this is, well, I have two, but this was the last one. This was right before my grandfather passed away. And so we were at the airport in Atlanta. I believe this was when my son was going to Brazil on a mission trip. And so I was a youth minister for a long time, for 20 years in Atlanta. And every year, we, all of our teenagers would go on mission trips. And, and some of them in the United States, others all over the world. And so he was going to Brazil on a mission trip, and we went to the airport back in the day when you could go, you know, watch, send somebody off in the airport, right? And so uh, we were just standing there. This picture is very valuable to me because when my grandfather, my grandmother got married, they were not Christians. They did not know the Lord, but somebody shared God with them. And my grandmother responded first. And then she asked my grandfather, you want to go to church with me? And he didn't want to have anything to do with it. He's, he was taught and raised how to make money and hold on to it and secure your life. And she said, one day I just decided to take my Bible and just leave it out. And she said, I had no idea that he was sneaking in in the middle of the night and these other times and just reading the Bible. She said, and I would every Sunday I would say, she'd say, honey, you want to go to church with me and the boys? And he wouldn't respond. And so she'd just go to church. So one day she got up and all of a sudden, my grandfather was up and getting dressed. And she said, I didn't say a word. <laughs> I thought, if I say anything right now, I'm going to mess it up. So she said, I just got the boys ready. And we went out to the car. And he went out to the car with us. And then he drove to this little church. And she said, he couldn't stand it. So I get all emotional when I talk about my family, but... 
She said his hands were clutched so hard. He could not wait for that preacher to finally end the sermon. And then that preacher said, is there anyone here who would like to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ? If so, we're going to sing a song and stand up and you come forward. She said he didn't even get the words out of his mouth. And, and my grandfather was holding my dad in his lap. And she said he just threw him at me, <laughs> jumped up and ran down. And never look back. My, I just, I honor him so much and my grandmother, you know, in the Lord. They transformed the direction of the Hazlup family in the direction of heaven. And then my father passed it on to me. So my grandfather was a minister in the gospel for over 50 years. My dad, I don't actually know how many years he was actually a minister of the gospel, but all he cared about was leading people to the Lord. That's all he cared about. He was uh, dying of cancer. His doctors told him, you know, you can't really do anything. And he said, I've got one trip that God is calling me to do, and I've got to go to China. Because he led some people to the Lord. When they went back to China, they were under persecution, thought that they were going to die because of their faith. And the man called Dad, and he said, I need you. So Dad just took off and went to China, really never recovered from there. But I just, I love that story. You know, so if you're going to lose your life, you might as well lose your life grounding somebody in the Word of God. Amen? So he's passed it on to me. And so me to my son. Now, here's my question. How many four generations do we have spiritually? I got to thinking about this. You know, this is one of the embarrassing things of my ministry. I have never tracked to see about four generations. I can think in my mind of at least three generations numerous times including my own daughter-in-law. Y'all know Nicole, when she came here, and I was able to baptize her in the Lord, and you know, it was awesome. And now she's married to my son, and I know that several people that she has led to the Lord, but I haven't even really asked her, who have you led to the Lord who led someone else to the Lord? And I want to know, am I a four-generation disciple? I, I'm embarrassed to say I've never really tracked it. But, but you know what? I want to now. Because that's the one thing I want to live for now is to become a four-generation. It's not enough for me just for God to just transform my life. He's done that. It's about time that I just go lead others who are going to lead others to the Lord. Amen? So what about you? So if I were to say, I'm going to go backwards, uh, where are you on this chart if, if you're here, I don't want you leaving today without making a decision for Jesus Christ in your life. You need to be saved. Amen? And if you are, where are you? Have you, have you dug into the Word of God passionately? Have you gotten past the point to where, okay, he's still trying to fix me? And have you said yes to being obedient to him so now that you're just grateful and want to share it with other people? Where are you? And then... So if you want to make disciples, this passage, let me show you this. Verses 3 through 6, this is, this is what he says is how you do it and what is important. Enduring suffering along with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules, and hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Now, when I'm reading the Word of God, sometimes I just read things so fast it doesn't really sink in. 
And so I read, you know, some passages like this, and I have to stop because I have to let it kind of sink in. Okay, what did I just read? I just read real quickly, you know, hey, you're going to, this is a suffering, you're going to, this is going to be a burden to you. Paul's talking to Timothy. If the burden on your heart is to lead people to Christ, then it's going to look a lot more like a soldier and an athlete and a farmer. And so I can't go any further. Paul, what are you talking about? Well, number one, he said, it's our top priority. This is what Paul is instructing Timothy. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. I don't know if you know or not, but Roman soldiers, whenever they were called into duty, could not have any other job. It was a law that they had to stay single focused. You do one thing and that's all. And you're not to get tied up in everything else around you. You want to lead people to the Lord? Then it must be your top priority. And you might have other things going on in your life, but you don't get involved hooked up just totally, you know, in anything else other than making disciples. And so what Paul's telling Timothy is it's going to look like this. It's going to be your top priority. It's what you think about when you get up in the morning, and it's what you pray about when you go to bed at night. And it's how you manage the success of your day. Like a soldier, it's all they do. It's who they are. The second one, he said, is like an athlete, you have to work at it every day. Athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And this follow the rules, it really is, let me go back, I'm trying to remember the Greek, striving, oh boy, I'm in the middle of it and can't think of it now. It's like, it, it was the difference between, boy, I wish I could think of the word, uh, striving, athlete nominus is the Greek what is that? It is striving wholeheartedly. It was the nominus. Anyone who strove nominus was someone who uh, was a professional at it. It wasn't their spare time gig. The difference in a professional athlete, a Greek professional athlete and an amateur was an amateur had a life. He'd go to work and in his spare time, he'd go to the gym. But a professional, it's all they did. They worked out six, eight hours a day. They worked on that, they, they, every day, they, that's what they did. They got up and they worked on their craft, their whatever, you know, athlete there were, or whatever it was that they did. And so he said, you got to work at it every day. You're going to get up, you're going to get dressed, and you're going to go to work making disciples. And you might have some other stuff that you're involved in, but that's what you're doing. And every day you're working to get better at it. I want to get better at sharing the message. I want to go find people who need the Lord. I want to, and you're just honing in on that craft every day. And then finally, it takes time. A hardworking farmer should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. No one more than farmers realize how long things take. When you're turning over the soil, when you're planting the seed and you're waiting and you're watering and you're weeding and you're waiting and you're doing a little bit and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. It takes time, doesn't it? And it's a relationally thing. So you're, you're involved relationally with people. And so this is the message. So for those of you who are saying, I want to be a disciple maker and it, 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 I want it to be the top priority of my life, this message is for you. Now... 
If you really want to experience God, go and make disciples. This is for all the rest of us. Man, I'm, I'm somewhere on that chart. I'm, I'm not fully there yet, but encourage me. Help me. How do I do this? So this is a, a passage out of Colossians. And this scripture I would love for you to mark in your Bibles. In fact, the 2 Timothy 2 passage and this Colossians 1 passage, if I had my Bible in front of me, if I were you, I just dog ear it. I just, you know, bend it, bend it down so that you never forget it and just leave it that way. So here are five things that I want you to know out of these two verses of scripture in Colossians chapter one. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. And if you read it in the Greek, what it's saying is God is like, we present everyone perfect in their relationship with Christ. So it's like, man, we don't, we're not going to leave anybody behind. If we're in Pensacola and we have not shared the good news with anybody in this city, shame on us. That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Five things, and then this message is for you. First of all, it's is the heart. So if you've never led someone to the Lord before, I just want to share with you what is in your heart. What has God done for you? How good has he been to you? And how easy is it for you to let that go and never share the good news of Jesus? Because that's not the heart of God. It's not the heart of Jesus. And it's not the heart of a disciple. A disciple says, so we tell others about Christ. We tell others about Christ. Well, you can't talk, you can't do that here in this work environment. Let me tell you, you don't have to go to anybody else. You live as a disciple. You have joy in your heart. You handle things differently than everybody else around you. And the good news of you will show the light in you will not be hidden. And people will come up to you and say, my life is falling apart and I noticed you're different. Can you help me? You just pray about it. Just begin to pray about it. God, who is it that you're wanting me to tell about Jesus Christ? Where are you wanting me to go? Who am I going to share with? Put somebody deep in my heart so that I can share the good news of Jesus with somebody. That's the heart of a disciple. That's where it begins. Right? You remember Jeremiah? Jeremiah was like, I'll tell myself that I'm not going to speak about the good things of God in my heart. And I'm not going to tell anybody. And it becomes a burden holding that in. He said, indeed, I cannot hold it in. I must let it out. And so that is the good news of Jesus. Boy, I've told myself I'm not going to tell anybody about Jesus. But I can't do it. I can't hold it in. He's been so good to me. That's the heart of a disciple. Number two, the means. He says, we warn everyone and teach everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. And you know, there's a difference in these two, depending on who you're talking to. There are some people who it's easy. They just, they're hungering for more. Tell me, tell me more about that. How, I'm carrying this burden and I don't know how to get over it. Or I've got a loved one in the hospital and I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm just, I need to pray. Can you help me with that? There are others who are just living in ways and they are blind to, to where they're headed and what's going on. Or the pain they're causing other people. And we have to warn. <laughs> Listen, it's, this is not going to end well. If you keep acting like this, if you keep doing this, it, it's, it's just not going to end well. 
and we need to make a difference. We need to make, and I can help you, right? And so we warn and we teach. And so the word of God has to be in you. And this is what I can tell you. If you take the time to let God's word come into your heart, he will create the avenue for you to share it. He will give you and you will share it with somebody. All right, so spend time in the Word of God. Number three, here's our goal. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. And, 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 and written into that text in the Greek is almost this absolute. It's, it's like everyone. We want to leave no one out. That's the goal. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship with Christ. I want to treat my wife well. Why? Because my job as a husband is to present her as a pure bride back to Christ on the day of judgment. And then other people who I know and I walk with every day, my goal is to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. And it's a burden. Remember, he says, we're going to suffer in doing this. It's going to take a while. And so that's what we do. Number four, the cost. That's why. I work and struggle so hard. That's why I work and struggle so hard. It's not going to be easy. We're going to have to work at it. It has to be something that you really want to do. I really want to share the good things of God with somebody else. And I need to learn. Okay, well, let's learn. Well, somebody's got to help me. Well, then get in a group that people can help you. Be proactive. Don't wait for somebody to come to you. You go to someone else and say, I need you to help me. And this is something that I really want to do. And I want to pray about it. I want it to be a burden inside my soul. And so I want to work at it. I want to struggle at it. I want to learn what I have to learn so that I can do what it is that God's calling me to do. And number five, remember this, the most important thing. All the power comes from God, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. The NIV, it says, it's his mighty power. I work through his power. It's a, are we leading anyone to the Lord? It's the Holy Spirit that convicts people, amen? So all you do is open your mouth. God will give you what to say. And here's really good news. You don't even have to know what to say. You live out the things of God in your life. And, God's, and you'll be in a situation. And, and Jesus told his apostles this very same thing. I'm going to send you out to all these villages. And they're like, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay? What are we going to say? He's like, don't worry about any of that. It does not matter the situation you fall into. As soon as you're in that situation, I will give you the right words to say in that moment. And so there are a lot of ways to do this. You just take, you know, a meal to somebody. You just send them a text. I'm praying for you. I know your life is, you got several things going on in your life right now. I'm just praying for you. You just open the door. Let them know how important God is to you. And he will do the work. It's his mighty power that works within us. So that's our message for today. To go and make disciples. Is there anyone who wants to go and make disciples? Is there anyone, is, is there, do you know of anyone? Where do you begin Where do you start? What is your beginning point? Okay, so here's something that I want to ask you to do. This is a very simple beginning point. You want to go further? Call me, call Taryn, call Jesse, you know, call Tyler 
or, you know, or Savannah, any of our staff, call any of our elders, call several, I mean, just anybody, we can really help you do this. But this is what I want to ask you to do. Write down the names of three to five people who you know need God. Just write their names down. You may not want to share that list publicly, but just privately write, the, I know they really need God. And then I'm going to ask you to commit to praying for them every day. Just pray for them every day. Two things will happen. God will begin to work in their heart. And he'll begin to work in yours. You pray every day for these people to know Jesus. To become a a follower, a disciple, a believer. And then God will give you the words to say. He'll transform their heart. And I bet a year from now, like a farmer who has to wait. You look back on that list and see the mighty power of God in your life. Amen? Thank you for being faithful to the series. Let's pray as we move.